Well, that's right, everybody. We are one week away from the greatest series that we have here all year long, and that is at the movies. And let me just, again, remind you, this is the perfect series to invite your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers to come to church with you. You've been waiting for a perfect series. This is it. Every Sunday in November, you have those invite cards right there in your worship guide. Um, go ahead and do what we're going to do as a family. Um, rip those out, and we're going to put them in every single trick-or-treater's um, bag tomorrow night. And we invite you to do that. You never know what God will do with a simple invitation. And some of you, you're brand new. You're wondering what in the world is at the movies. Let me simply just take a moment and to tell you, um, this series is all about taking modern day stories and lifting out the spiritual truth. Jesus did this all the time. He taught in parables, modern day stories, spiritual truth. This is our version of it. Um, they're highly produced. Um, you will not wanna miss a single week. Your kids won't wanna miss a single week. Our family team has worked incredibly hard. Uh, we roll out the red carpet. There's free popcorn, there's free soda, there's free movie candy. Movie characters are walking around taking pictures with you and your kids. It's an incredible event and we don't want you to miss it. Next Sunday begins at the movies. I hope, I hope you'll join us for it. Um, if you haven't already, take out your sermon notes and let's kind of finish um, part two of this two-year journey that we're calling the One, Life, the One Life Movement. So last October, I stood on the stage. We launched the One Life Movement with you. To, this October, I'm kind of spinning it in the middle of it. And then next October, Lord willing, we will complete and finish the One Life Movement. And let me just kind of tell you what it is. It comes out of this verse, which is in Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5. This is called the, the Shema Prayer. And this is, this is Moses giving the law a second time. He's about to die. He's reminding the Israelites all about the law, all that God's done. And he looks at them and he says, hear, O Israel. Now, this word here, that's the, that's the Hebrew word Shema. It doesn't just mean like our, our English language, just like, hey, hey, listen up. What that means is like if your dad or mom growing up and they were to say, hey, um, you, better, you better listen to me right now. What, what you knew is you better listen and you better obey. And that is exactly what Moses is saying here in the Shema. Hey, hey, Israel, listen and obey that the Lord our God, the Lord is, say this with me, both locations, the Lord is one, one. That is the Hebrew word echad. Now, the Hebrew language is very guttural. So if you say it, you can say, you can say it with me. Um, echad, um, if you say it right, the person in front of you and the people beside you should be wet um, by how you would pronounce this word. What, what this word means, it's not like our, our English language where it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. What Moses is saying, that the Lord our God, the Lord is one, echad, it means that everything about your life centers around one person, and that is the Lord your God. He is above it all, behind it all, beside it all, below it all. Everything in your life revolves around him. He's not the first person on your list. He is, he is the piece of paper on which you would even begin to think about writing your list on. And Moses says, once you understand, and this is the one life journey, once you begin to understand that everything in your life revolves around him, 
the next verse, which finishes the Shema prayer, because we understand that, well, then we're gonna love the Lord your God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our might. And these words that I've commanded you today shall always be on your heart. And what we're doing in this journey, much more than just financial and big vision stuff together as a church, our prayer is that we would live out the Shema, that we would love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. And what's been amazing over the last 12 months is so many people are taking steps in their personal life, in their families, and they are declaring that the Lord, their God, the Lord is one. Over 170 of you have made a decision this year just to trust God with your life and turn your life over to him. Others of you have gone through the waters of baptism. I think we're um, over, if not really close, to 50 people declaring publicly their faith in Jesus through the waters of baptism, you're taking a step. Others of you, you're taking a step and serving on a team, getting involved in a small group. And others of you, yes, are trusting God with your finances for the very first time. That's the beautiful thing of the One Life Movement is all of us, as God speaks, begin to take steps and follow follow him. And and here's really the, the question that the Shema prayer brings up to us. And I asked you this question last year, and I'm gonna ask you again. But is God the one thing that drives everything in your life? And that's our goal, is that by the end of this season, this this series, this journey together, is you would be able to say, yes, God is the one thing that drives everything in our life. Now, this is a spiritual journey, but it's also a financial journey. And what we talked about over the last couple of weeks, everything you need to know is in, is in the One Life book. At both locations, we have several of these left. If you're brand new, I would encourage you to pick this up because it just tells you where we're going and what we're believing and asking God to do over, this, over these, 24, these 24 months. So let me just kind of remind you of, of where we've gone the last couple of weeks. This is our mission statement as a church and that we're a movement. So um, we're not a, a building that you sit in. That's not what we're about. We're we're a movement that we get to be a part of. And we're a movement for, say this with me, we're a movement for all people. So if you have air in your lungs, God wants to save you. You're not too young. You're not too old. uh, You don't have a past that's so tattered and checkered that you think God couldn't love you. No, no, this movement that we belong to, it's for all people. If you vote Republican, it's for you. If you vote Democrat, it's for you. If you vote in the middle or somebody like this place, it's for you. It's a movement for all people, all nations, everywhere. So we can help you know God, find friends, discover purpose, and make a difference. This is the journey we believe that God has for each and every, every one of us. And if we're going to reach all people, there are some things together that we're trying to accomplish as a church. Uh, I gave this to you last week, so I'm just going to highlight this for you as fast as I can in case you missed it. Um, but we started out last year um, to accomplish three major objectives as a church. And the first one um, is the university campus. So where I'm standing right now, we were going to update and remodel this campus. 60 years old, um, lots of different buildings, kind of like putting it all all together, updating our kids' spaces particular. Um, we cast the vision it was going to cost us about $2.5 million. But with construction and all the delays and just the cost increases that everybody's feeling, 
This went over $3 million, but because of your amazing generosity, we were able to cash flow the difference uh, with our board approval, and we're just praising God for that. Um, and the really good news is next Sunday, next Sunday is the grand opening to our new environments at our university campus. Now, let me, let me just talk to the East Campus for just a moment. Next Sunday night, I would love for you to come be our guest and come and tour um, the university campus. And you may be thinking, well, that doesn't have anything to do with me. I, my church is over there. Yeah, yeah, I, I know that. But one day, we're gonna have a grand opening for a new facility for our East Campus, and we're gonna invite all of our churches, all of our campuses to come and be a part of that. And so we want you just to know you belong to something bigger than what you see right now. And would you come and be our guest next Sunday night, 5 to 7 p.m., as we celebrate um, God's goodness um, and his provision um, at our university campus? So we said it's gonna cost us about 2.5, and it went over to $3 million. We also said, hey, there is a need for us to plant a new campus in the East Mark, East Mesa area. That was gonna cost us $600,000. Again, we were able to cash flow all of that, everything that you see at our East Campus, um, that has already been paid for. And that also includes the first 12 to 18 months operating expense um, so we can make sure that campus has everything that it needs, all the resources, um, so we can go ahead and push, push fast forward and get you in a permanent building as quickly, as quickly as possible. And then because we're a giving church, we had some global missions that we wanted to get after and to go reach some people in the least reached areas of our world. So 10% of whatever's gonna come in, roughly about $300,000. So the total vision then was about $3.5 million. We, we gave a vision for it for it last year. Now, what's absolutely amazing, I gave this to you last, last week, but so far what has been given um, is $1,943,000, $446,000 um, and 32 cents. That's just in the first 12 months of the One Life movement. That's amazing, and we're praising God for that, which means there's still a vision gap of $1,556,553.68. And that's what we're believing God over the next year um, to fill that, that gap so we can accomplish all of, all of these dreams together. And, and, I, and I know that every time a pastor stands on a stage and talks about money and generosity, I, I, I feel the tension in this room, I feel the tension online, I feel the tension at our East Campus. There's always a group of people like, why do we gotta talk about, about that? Pastor always talks about money and giving. <laughs> Let me just for a moment tell you, I actually don't think I talk about it enough. If I was to follow just the example of Jesus, I would be talking about giving and money 33% of the time. That's how much Jesus talked about money and resources, how to steward them, how to give. We're not even close to that. And I also just want you to know, like it is my responsibility as the pastor of our church to lead us in this area of generosity. In fact, Paul wrote a book to a young pastor, Timothy, and he gives them simple instructions of what, of what Timothy is to do to his congregation. So I'm just gonna like transpose that on One Life Church and kind of read this scripture, which is 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. This is what Paul says to Timothy. This is what Paul is saying to me to tell you, One Life Church. He says, hey, command those 
who are rich in this present world. Now, I, I know every time we see this word rich, automatically people are like, Boop, not me, I'm not rich. Um, that, that obviously does not apply to me, Jared. You have no idea uh, how difficult it is for me right now in my budget, in my home life. And, and I wanna be sensitive to that because I think a lot of people have different financial, financial issues and problems. But I just wanna bring awareness of, of what this word rich means. And I know none of us feel rich, but you need to know that on the global scale, when you compare um, globally, if you make anywhere from forty to $45,000 a year, um, you are in the top 1% wage earner. Now, I don't know if you knew that. I know it doesn't feel that way in the East Valley and wherever you're watching online, um, but I'm telling you, if you make forty dollars to $45,000 a year, you're in the top 1% wage earner in the entire world, which would put you in this category of rich. And, and I know you're still not convinced, so there's some statistics that I just want to read to you. I thought this was hilarious. Um, but the Gallup um, poll survey, they asked um, Americans, so this, this, this is the national answer from America, um, like, who would you consider to be rich? And this was, the, this was the answer, that rich would equal, you'd have to make $150,000 a year. That was the national answer, that if people make $150,000 a year, they're rich. <laughs> then they asked people who make $150,000 a year, and overwhelmingly they said, we're not rich, not even close to being rich. And so then Gallup changed the, uh, the question, and they asked people who make $30,000 a year, um, who would you consider to be rich? And their answer was, oh, people who make $75,000 a year, um, they're rich. Then they asked people who subscribe to Money Magazine and they subscribe to the Wall Street Journal, um, who or what is the dollar figure that you would say they're rich? So people that subscribe to the Wall Street Journal, they said, if, somebody, if you could push a button and in liquid assets you have at your disposal, like right away, um, their answer, um, push the button, five million, it would be $5 million um, liquid assets would make somebody rich. And then Gallup took it one step further. They asked people who have $5 million in liquid assets, do you consider yourself rich? And you know what their answer was? No, not even close. So, so here's what Gallup, this was, this was the, the closing line. I actually thought it was really funny. Um, they, they, they came to this conclusion. Nobody is rich, but everybody knows somebody who is. <laughs> I just think that's so funny. Nobody considers themselves in this category as rich. But let me, listen to me, listen to me. All of us in this room, online, our East Campus, we are rich. And if you don't like the word rich, let's just use the word blessed. We're blessed. In fact, if I was to say, hey, raise your hand if you think you're rich, hardly anybody would. But if I say, hey, if you think you're, so, you're blessed, raise your hand and hands would go up, right? I mean, just like that. Like, yeah, we're blessed. I'll prove it to you. This morning, you were getting ready um, for church and you walked into a room in your home, in your apartment. And that room has one purpose. That is a room that only holds your clothes. 
It's called a closet. And you stood in front of your clothes in that closet and you might have said something like, I just don't have anything to wear today. You know what that is? A rich person problem. Or maybe this morning you walk down the stairs like I would at my house and I open up the pantry, which again is another room. Its only purpose is to store food. And my kids will oftentimes go into that pantry, they'll close the door and they'll come back and they'll just say, there is nothing to eat in this house. Do you know what that is? That is a rich person problem. Can, can we just level the playing field here? I know we don't like to call ourselves rich, but according to this verse, 1 Timothy chapter six, we are rich. We have been so blessed. We live in the greatest country, and in my opinion, the greatest state. God has given us so much compared to the world around us. Church, we are rich. And I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter eight. Because of that, because of the blessings he poured out upon you, you know that the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, he was in heaven, he had everything. Yet for your sakes, he became poor, came to this earth, so that by his poverty, he could make you rich. And then he answers this in the very next chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. He says, you will be made rich in every way. So no, some of the Bible scholars in the room, you're like, yeah, well, I, I hope you're talking about salvation. Of course I am. Because of God's love for us, sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sin, he no longer treats us as our sins deserve, but he's given us hope and a future, our sins forgiven, forgiveness, mercy, all of that. Yes, we are rich spiritually and we praise God for that. But don't miss this last point. We have been made rich in what? In what? In every way. In every way. So I would say it this. He's made you rich. He wants to make you rich in your marriages, in your relationships, in your parenting, in your businesses, in your creativity, in your ideas, in your bank accounts. Like He wants to make you rich in every way. Well, then why? Here, here's why so that you can be generous on every occasion. So you may be hearing this and something may be stirring up inside of you. Like, I don't know if, if, I, if I agree with this. I don't know if I like that. So let me, let me, let me just talk about one, well, two types of theology that are in the church right now. And one is what you would call a prosperity gospel. Or they would say, a pastor on a TV or a church around here would say, God wants to make you rich for the sole purpose of making you rich. I just want you to know, you can't find that teaching and that theology anywhere in the word of God. Uh, you can't, it's not there. And, and on, on the flip side, there's a theology that says, no, 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 God just wants you poor. Keep you poor, keep you humble, keep you completely depending upon him for everything. And again, you can't find that theology in the Bible either. There is a balance here. And here's the principle, write this in your notes. I believe this, that God blesses me with more than I need. Why? So I can, in return, can be a blessing. In fact, I, I pray this prayer for One Life Church every week. God, here are our needs. 
here, here's the budget. Here's, here's what we need to be able to accomplish the vision you've given us. But Lord, would you bless us with more than even we need so we can be more of a blessing to the world around us? And Amanda and I, we pray this prayer for our family every single week. We have a budget meeting once a week, like Dave Ramsey has taught us. And we sit down and say, all right, God, like these are the needs that we have in our, our home, Lord, but would you bless us with more than what we need so we can be a blessing to other people, which then goes back to our theme verse, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Hey, Pastor Timothy, Pastor Jared, command those in your church who are rich. We talked about that. That should be all of us in this world, not just to be rich, pat ourselves on the back, but the reason why he's blessed us is that so we can, be, we can do good that we can be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. Why? So that we may take hold of the life that is truly life. Let me put my spin on it, that when you live this way, when you are rich in good deeds and you're generous and you're willing to share, that's when you live in the sweet spot of God's success for your life. God wants to bless you with more not just so you can have more, he's blessing you with more so you can be a blessing to other people. That's principle number one. Here's principle number two. Um, God doesn't want us guilty. Because I know when it talks about money and blessings and, and just richness, there's a lot of guilt associated with that. And to God doesn't want you guilty of that. He just wants you responsible. In fact, I take this very personal as a pastor. My job is to take the shame and the guilt off of you and just to let you know God's plan and purpose for your life. And you should not feel guilty about having a bunch of stuff. This is not a sermon of go sell everything, move to Montana, churn your own butter, and let's, let's go suffer for Jesus. Like That is not what we're talking about. He doesn't want us guilty for his blessings in our life, but because he's blessed us, he does want us to be to be responsible. So part of my job as the pastor here is just to kind of give you a vision and to give you needs of how um, you can use the resources that God has given you um, to, bless, to bless the world around us. So I'm gonna give you a couple of things, um, just some things to think about and trusting that God's gonna speak to you through this of how we are to live our life in a responsible way with, with his blessing. And here's the first thing, write it down. So for some of us, um, we need to trust God with our resources and our finances, and we need to become a percentage giver, a percentage giver. Um, Amanda and I, I'm not going to tell you anything that we don't do. Um, this is how we live our life. Um, we give first of everything that comes in. So Amanda's business, um, what I make here at the church, speaking engagements, coaching, all the things that I, I do, um, the first um, the first thing, we, we give a percentage right back here to the local church. We give first, we save second, and we live on the rest. Giving first shows that God owns it all. Saving second, it teaches you, it allows you to build wealth. And the third thing, when you live on the rest, it, it teaches you contentment. Give first, save second, live on the rest. Now, there's a principle in the Bible. Um, if you've been around here for a while, you may have heard it's called a tithe. That just simply means a, a 10%. Now in the New Testament, it talks about grace giving, um, giving over and above, all, all that type of stuff. Most scholars would tell you that in Corinthians, when it talks about the joy of grace giving, it's so much beyond the tithe. It's, um, it, it, that, that's like the entry point. 
And a tithe means 10%. Amanda and I, that's where we started at. And by God's grace, we've been able to increase that. And I know just me saying that to you, you're like, 10%? What are you, I can't do that. Okay, great. But what percentage could you start giving at? 10%, 5%, 3%. Trusting God with your finances. I, I, all I'm telling you is, is start, with, start with something. Put God first. Save second. Live on the rest. Watch and see what he does and how he blesses, how he blesses your, your income. Percentage giving. The, the second thing I just want to highlight for you, again, these are just opportunities, is we do have coming in like seven weeks, the One Life Movement offering. This is one offering every year that we give over and above what we normally give to accelerate the vision of our church. Now we are in the middle of this, um, this journey. Many of you give weekly, you give monthly to this. Um, and others of you, I'm inviting you. Maybe this is the first time you would give to the One Life Movement. Well, on December 11th, we're all gonna come together um, and we're gonna give um, end of year gift to accelerate the vision. And let me just remind you what, what we're doing here. The university campus, um, the update remodel, the East Campus, as I said a couple of weeks ago, our goal is to find a permanent location and facility as quickly as we can to get us out of that school. That school is awesome, by the way. As I said, I was there last week. Uh, amazing experience, but we know that's not the long-term solution. So we want to be able to move against that. The third thing is our global partners. 10% of everything that comes in, we want to go plant churches in unreached areas. The fourth thing for this year's One Life offering, um, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago as well, is the Camp Scholarship Fund. Um, what would it look like for us to send over 200 kids to camp? Um, and because the cost of camp is just increased, we want to be able to help underwrite that to send kids away. There's such power in this. Disconnecting from the world, their friends, their phones, media, and getting alone with God in a mountain. God speaks every single year to our students in camp, like, like more so that week than maybe any other time throughout the year. We want to invest in our next generation and we want to send a whole bunch of kids to camp where they can go have these moments with God. And so part of this offering this year will allow us, we have what's called the Rob Nichols Scholarship Fund. Uh, we wanna be able to fund that. And Rob Nichols was a longtime volunteer in our student ministries here, passed away of cancer last year. And we wanna be able to fund that so we can send a whole bunch of your students to camp next year. That'll be a part of the One Life Movement. And then the last thing that we'll talk more about this in the, in the weeks to come as well, but it's the Mesa Outreach Center. Right here, where, where I stand at our university campus, it's a critical spot in the city of Mesa in between Gilbert and Lindsay on University Drive. I think God has uniquely placed our university campus in this pivotal area to reach some of the most vulnerable people in the city of Mesa. And over the next 12 months, we wanna be able to launch what we're gonna call the Mesa Outreach Center, which will provide help in many different areas. One's a food pantry, Others would be immigration services. Others would be care and counseling for um, domestic abuse. Again, caring for the most vulnerable people in our community. And we wanna be able to fund that and to get that going. And again, I'll share more about this in, in the weeks to come. But this offering on December 11 will allow us to do this. Now, let me just say one more thing if you're brand new around here. 
Uh, we are committed that we will only move at the rate and the speed of your generosity. Um, as you give and as God provides, we're able to move against some of these things. We're committed not to outpunning our coverage. So as you give, we're able to do these, these things. So again, let me, let me recap. The first thing is our percentage giving. Start with something. Talk to God, start with something. Second is the One Life Movement offering on December 11. Uh, the next one is our At The Movie series. Again, I talked about this um, earlier in the message, but would you just grab these and would you invite? Next week, it's church like you've never experienced before. Um, God has blessed us and we are believing um, that, this is my prayer, that hundreds of people will make a decision to follow Jesus over the next several, several weeks. Invite your friends to come to church with you to hear these incredible stories and how God shows up in, people, in people's lives. Um, red carpet's out. And I, I'm gonna ask you, church, now this is, this is a family conversation, just re real quick. We're expecting hundreds of, of guests to show up these next several weeks at both locations. So here's what I'm gonna ask from you. If One Life is your church, um, would you just park maybe to the furthest parking spot and save some of like the great parking for our guests? Would you come just a little earlier and kind of allow some of the, like the guests that show up a little bit later, just easy flow in and out of our kids' space? If, how about that? If, if a family shows up in the next couple of weeks and they look lost, it's because they are. And instead of just like assuming that they'll figure it out, like go out of your way and, and help somebody find where the kids check-in is, find where the restrooms are, um, give up your, your spot in, in the worship room. In fact, um, one of the things that you can really help us with, I, I don't know what it is about church people, um, but you love sitting on the edge of every row. And when people come in late, you don't move over to the middle. You make people like a lot of our guests like climb over you to, to get to their spot. Here's how you can help us. Next week when you come in, just go right to the middle. I promise, like nobody's gonna bite you. I know that it's been your seat for, for eight weeks over at our East Campus. And if you're in this room, it's been your seat for several years. Like just maybe next couple of weeks, give up your seat and allow somebody new to sit there so they can have an incredible experience. All that Sheridan said is you just never know what God will do with a simple invitation, but you also don't know what God will do by just a simple act of kindness, by giving up your parking spot, by giving up your seat, by having that smile, that, that this warm greeting when someone comes in. You never know what God, what God will do. And we're believing together over the next several weeks that God's going to do some really powerful, powerful things in the life of people. So we're at the movie series. That's another way that we love our community. And then last, but certainly not least, it is Christmas at One Life. Like eight weeks away, um, and this will be the largest um, services of our year. We have five options, both locations. Uh, you'll hear more about this. I am so excited for our Christmas Eve services, candlelit, beautiful experiences, um, again, another opportunity for you to invite your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers to come to church. People will come to church with you at Christmas and Easter um, more than any other opportunity that, that you have. And now you're seeing all this and all things are like, wow, Jared, that's, that's a lot. Like that just seems over, overwhelming. And, and I'll be honest with you, like it is a lot. 
It's a lot on our team and our volunteers who are committed to this, but let me say it this way. It is our joy and it is our privilege to be able to do these things. We don't have to do it, we get to do it because we're a movement to reach all people. Not when it's convenient for us, no, no, we're a movement to reach all people regardless of the season because we wanna see God's kingdom happen right here in Mesa, Arizona. And that's what we're inviting you into. That is the one life, the one life movement. And as we close this year's series, I'm gonna give you my favorite generosity verse. And I wanna give you a couple of things to think about as you begin to prepare um, for percentage giving, as you begin to prepare for the one life offering. I wanna give you a couple of things to think about. And it comes out of 2 Corinthians chapter nine. Now, Paul's been talking to the Macedonian church who's excelled in giving. Like they're like top of, the, like they, they figured out what generosity looks like. And Paul says, remember this, that whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. We talked about that. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And then the question is, well, I wanna reap generously. Well, then how do you do that? Well, you have to first sow generously. Each of you, here's the key, should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Now, I love that so much. This is why we tell you about a one life offering and percentage giving weeks in advance. Because I want you to go home and I want you to pray about it, talk it, if you're married, talk it over with your spouse and decide the best generosity is planned generosity. I, I, I think spontaneous giving, that can be important, but I think the best generosity is always planned. Decide in advance in your heart what to give, not reluctantly, oh, I have to do this, the pastor's asking me. No, no, listen, if that's, your, if that's the way you feel, then, then please don't give anything. Not reluctantly, um, or under compulsion. This is the reason why I don't show you sad faces of kids starving in Africa. I don't want you to feel bad or guilty in a moment. No, I, I want God just to speak to you, decide in advance, not reluctantly or under compulsion. The reason why is for God loves a cheerful giver. Again, let me go back. Not that we have to do this, but that we, but that we get to do this. And so there's a filter. I, I did not come up with this. In fact, I, I forget what Pastor came up with this, but it's the, the decision filter. So the question is, how do I decide what to give to you? And there's three great questions. And here's, here's the first one. Um, how do I decide? It's the relationship question. And here, how, who or who will I commit to relationally? Who will I commit to relationally? And, and first and foremost, the relationship question is that, well, we commit to God. He, he loved us so much that he sent his son and just like I talked about last week, that God owns it all. He is the owner. We're the manager. Well, of course, we're going to commit to him. We serve a give first God, so we're going to be a give first people. So we commit to him. He owns it all. But the second thing that I think you just need to know um, is this God has worked and always orchestrated around relationships. That's who our, that's who our God is. Particularly, he works in the relationship of the local, the local church. Now, I think it's important for, for you to hear me say this from time to time. Five years ago, I became your pastor. Amanda and I made that decision um, that August that 
One Life Church, we are going to commit our lives to this place. I don't feel this way. I don't feel like I have to be your pastor. I get to be your pastor. And, and the way the structure of our church, our government structure is set up, is that any moment you don't want me to be your pastor, guess what? You can vote me out. And Amanda and I have committed, like, we'll be fine with that. We'll go pastor a church and people that want us to be their pastor. I don't feel any fear. I don't feel like I'm under any pressure. I, I get to do this. We have committed our lives here. And because of that, we've committed the first part of our, of our income right here to the local church to help us accomplish the vision that God, that God has laid out for us. That's, that's what we're committing ourselves, ourselves to. So I'm gonna ask you to do the same. I think every Christian needs to be planted in a great local church. And maybe you've been sitting through this series, you're brand new around here, and you say, I don't know about this place. I'm not sure this is the place, or you're the pastor that I wanna, I wanna follow. And I totally understand that. Um, let me help you, if you'd let me, I'd help you find a church that, that you wanna commit to, or, I mean, you can keep coming here for free. I mean, you've been doing that already, uh, but go ahead and like take your resources and put it in a place that you believe in, in a church where you wanna get involved. Here's why, I, I really believe this, because those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of God. And that's what I want for you. I really don't want anything from you. I want you to flourish in your life like never, like never before. You have to ask yourself the relationship question. Here's the second question I'm almost done. Um, how do we decide? It's the difference question. And it's will it make an eternal difference? Will it make an eternal difference? Now, this is really important because not every dollar that you give counts the same to God. The question is, is what I'm giving, does it make an eternal, an eternal difference in the life of people? Let me prove it to you. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. So, so there's a day coming where we're gonna stand before the Lord and we're gonna answer two questions. The first question is, what did you do with my son, Jesus? How you answer that question will determine if you get to heaven or, or you don't. Did you receive his free gift of salvation or did you go your own way? Did you keep him at a distance? Did you reject him? The first question, what did you do with my son, Jesus, determines heaven or hell. The second question that all of us will be asked is, okay, what did you do with the one life that I gave you? Did you leverage your life for eternity or did you squander it away? When you answer that question, the day will, the day will tell us what it is or bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. So the Bible tells us later that everything on this earth is gonna burn, like nothing will be left. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. Well, the only thing that's gonna survive are the things that are in heaven. And what are the only things that go to heaven? It's people, it's people. We will be judged. Did you receive Jesus or did you reject him? And the second question we will be asked is, did you bring anybody else to heaven because of the life that you lived? Because of the talent, 
because of the, the money, the resources, because of how you lived your life, are there other people in heaven because of you? Which is why, go back, it is the, it is the eternal question. Does your life make an eternal difference? Here's the third question, and then I'm done. Write this in. How do you decide what to give to you? It's the God question. Simply, is, is God speaking to me? And, and church, really, this, to just leave this up. This is, this is the question of the One Life Movement. Hero One Life Church. The Lord our God, the Lord is above it all, behind it all, below it all. And when, you're, when you live your life with that in mind, you will hear him speak to you. And here's my prayer, that when you hear him speak, that you will just say yes and you'll hold nothing back. When the whispers of God come into your life, that you'll act on it. When he tells you to give, that you'll give. When he tells you to serve, you'll serve. When he tells you to join that group, you'll join that group. When he tells you to invite that person to come with you to the, to the At The Movie series, you'll invite that person to come with you to the At The Movie series. I'm telling you, that is the greatest place where you could ever live your life. Hearing God speak and moving against it. So here, here's the questions. It is the the relationship question. Are we going to do this together? That's what we're inviting you into. It's the eternal question. Is what you're doing, is it making an eternal difference? Are people in heaven because of your generosity? And then lastly, is God speaking to you? So through this, maybe it's percentage giving, God's going to talk to you. And as he reveals that, just say yes. The one life offering coming in several weeks, God's going to speak to you. And as he speaks to you, just say just say yes. Even today, you're going to walk out of your room and out of this campus and, and you're going to say, God, who, who can I minister to right here in this moment? And I'm telling you, God will speak to you. When you go to your restaurant this afternoon and say, God, how, who can I bless? And he tells you, hey, give the biggest tip you've ever given to your server. And you do it. That's the sweet spot of God's success in your life. And that's what we're inviting you into. The one life movement. So right where you are, all over this room, our East Campus online, would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? Because I do believe God's speaking to many of us right now. And as we enter into this exciting season as a church, these next two months, I want to have just a prayer of dedication. So I believe you're going to be asking these questions. And I know God's going to speak to you. And my prayer is that you'll say yes. So Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for the people here of One Life Church. Thank you, God, for, for how you speak to us. And my prayer, God, is as you continue to speak to us, we'll say yes. And we'll follow you. We commit the next two months at the movies, the holiday season, Christmas. We commit this to you and we ask you now to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. That you would stretch out your hand and you would perform signs and wonders and miracles. And I pray, God, that you would give us boldness right now. Boldness to 
invite our friends and our neighbors to come with us. Boldness to pray big prayers. Encourage God to follow you when you tell us to give and to be generous. So again, God, we invite you to speak to us. We know you do. We say yes, we hold nothing back. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.